Welcome to On Air with Tatiana D. The hottest motivation show in your suburbs. Do you feel the daily routine is catching up? Are you a champion of your game? And you need an extra dose of positivity? Let's find out together how to live a happier life without stress or negativity. This is a story-driven podcast where we talk about motivation, inspiration, and success in almost our post-COVID reality. Hello, everyone. We are back to On Air. And today we have quite interesting and pretty famous guest, Roxy Astor. Those who don't know who she is, I will remind you that she was one of the original GLOW girls. And that's something very interesting I'd like to discuss because she's an extremely positive person. She has what it takes to be a real woman, wrestler, um, amazing friend, and all other good qualities which go with not just glow girl, but just with a lady. Anyway, welcome, and please tell us your story. Well, first I have to say hello to you. It's, I know we were having a hard time connecting, but I think it'll be worth the wait because to me, that's life and things happen. Um, and I, I, I like the intro, but I have to say, we were the first all-female wrestling TV show. And our show came on every Saturday morning after WWF at the time. So I was not a wrestling fan. Um, I hate to tell you guys, I wasn't a wrestling fan. I wasn't an actress, but um, I was really intrigued with the show before I was even actually on the show. So I was a fan of GLOW before I was even, before I even auditioned or even thought about auditioning for GLOW. So I think that's kind of, kind of neat to be part of the first female, all female TV wrestling show. So we were like the first and we actually won an award for it too. Wow. How did you start it? How did you get yourself? If you're, were, you mentioned that you were not a fan and all of a sudden you're auditioning, what happened? I've always been, and, and this dates back even to high school. I've always been one of those people, never quite fit in, wasn't real popular, but just kind of like, you know what? You got to do something. If, if you try it, you know, if you, if you don't make it, that's fine, but at least you got to do it. So um, when I, I grew up in Auburn, Washington, which is a small town out of Seattle, um, I just packed up my car and drove to Los Angeles. So when I came to Los Angeles, it was like, okay, so uh, what am I going to do here? I've heard all these stories, how you can make it. And um, in fact, I remember even walking in, I went to Seattle Art Institute and to be a fashion designer. And so I thought I'm going to go work on the sets and I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know anybody, but I'm just going to walk in. It was a production company right off the sunset. And I thought, okay, uh, I'm here to work, <laughs> you know, and you don't do it like that, but I've never been afraid to just go after what I want. I'm like, what, what can you do? You can fail. Oh, well, um, I walked in and they liked the fact that I just walked in. I, I don't think they're kind of used to that. It's like resume only. And I said, I, I want to work on a film and they go, well, 
we're working on this film now and it's called Killer Clowns. And I don't know if anybody's ever heard this. In fact, this is probably the first time I've even told this story, just so you know, you got a first with me. And Killer Clowns, yeah, I saved that for you. Uh, it, it has a cult following. And so I thought, yeah, I'm going to get this and never got the call, never got it. And, and welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that, right? There it goes, but you promise. Okay. Uh, that was my first good reality check. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, next, let's move on. What can I do? And then finally I was watching Glow on Saturday morning because at that time, you know, we didn't have internet. We didn't have any of that. What you had on TV, unless you turn the channel, is what you had on TV. So I started watching, I just saw like glitter and shoulder pads and big hair. And I'm like, this is really unusual, but it looks really fun. And for some reason, I have to be a part of this. Hmm. I don't know why, but I just really love the hair and the makeup because I went to beauty school. I'm also a hairdresser. So I went from a beautician to a clothing designer to becoming a wrestler. <laughs> That's like uh, a journey of a woman who has power in her. Yeah, I it just, it, I felt like it wasn't enough with one, two or three. I've got to be like eight, nine, 10, 11 things in case the, the other eight fail. So whatever it is, I have fun, whatever I do. So uh, when I was watching the show, I'm like, there's just no way I could do this. I wasn't athletic. I tried out for cheer five times. I didn't make it. I'm like, oh, well, you know, and I'm not an actress. So there was a phone number that said, do you want to be a glow girl? And of course I called it, not really thinking they were going to call me back, but I did an audition. And once again, not knowing how Hollywood works and how it is, I went in there and I kind of told them what I was going to do <laughs> and you don't do that. But once again, you stood out. Yeah. I, I think that's what it was. I just, I wasn't afraid. I've never been afraid and I don't really care, you know, like what people think of me personally. I'm just, you know, I'm just not afraid because my thing is you're just not going to know until you try. So I went in, and I just thought, there's no way I got that. And I get the phone call two days later. And they said, if you can get in your car, because they didn't pay for anybody to go there for the tryouts, you can get there, you can get an audition. So when I got there, though, I found out there was about at least 3,500 girls that tried out. And 500 girls? 500, yes, because Glow was, we had 7 million viewers at the time. And, you know, we were like international and we were, you know, we didn't keep in mind, there was no internet. We did not know to the extent of how big glow was. Uh -huh. So, and I'm glad I didn't know there was 3,500 girls trying out because I would have got that in my head and it probably would have ruined me. So um, going there, when I showed up, I think there was about 300 girls and, but there was like all shapes and sizes and colors of hair and green mohawk. That one always stood out to me and just everybody trying to outdo each other. And, and I just kind of looked at where am I going to fit it? How am I going to stand out? And, and so me, I'm kind of like an observer. I like kind of sit back and I go, okay, I'm looking at, you know, so kind of like in high school, you got your jocks, you got your 
you're uh, the nerds, you have that, you know, you got to kind of see where you fit in. And I really didn't fit in anywhere, which is fine. So I kind of tried to be friends with all of them. And I, I think it worked because they kind of got to know me. I'm very funny, um, or, or so they said. <laughs> so I think humor is a good thing, you know, anywhere you go. So I wasn't shy, and that's, that's a very important thing. So when Matt Simber, our director, came in, it was kind of like, you know, a lot of the girls were just kind of like, I'm not going to hang out here. I'm, we're not getting paid that much. I'm not going to do that. And they were just complaining. And, you know, we were, I was just, I knew I had to be there. I just knew I did not want to go home. Like I just, something told me, this is for you. You got to stay here. And I, I didn't want to go back to hairdress. This is it. This is for me. Your guns. That's what you that was, Yeah. And, and he was, Matt was like, okay, do a three quarter roll. I have never done a three quarter roll um back bump and and I'm like okay and, and run the ropes and we were just like you know whatever whatever he said you know you do it I mean I have never when when he says take a front bump that's where you actually stand there and you flip your body onto your back mm -hmm. I have never done that in my life <laughs> and but when you see the other girls doing it and you just know that that one move can make or break you and some girls that broke them, some girls got hurt. Some girls just said, forget that. I think I got more intrigued with it. Like, cause I kept getting everything. It just kept clicking and clicking. And I'm like, oh. I'm doing this. Yeah. And I, I think, you know what? The director pushed and pushed because the girls that didn't uh, complain or that stuck through with it are the girls that made it through. And I was one of them. So I think there was, after that, because we had a certain amount of uh, apartments, um, I think there was maybe about 40 or 50 girls. And then after that is when we found out when we actually got our character. So we got our character names and I was highly disappointed in that though. <laughs> what you thought you're gonna, because Roxy Astor is your stage name. Yes, I can say my real name is Tracy Meltzer, <laughs> but I like Roxy. I love the name. Roxy is very fun and spirited. So is Tracy, but I, I feel like Roxy Astor just kind of flows a little bit better. Um, and I think my fans know me as that and my friends know me as Tracy, but it's so weird. My friends even call me Roxy now because it's so embedded that this is who I am. It's Roxy. So I think it's just a big part of you because you're it sparkly. Is. You glow. It you spark. It's kind of double entendre right now. When yes. you glow, but you do glow with your personality, positivity, and everything. Vigor, so I, everything. I, I think Roxy morphed into uh, Tracy and Tracy morphed into Roxy. So it's a little bit of, of both of us that are, I think, in that character. Um, I was disappointed only because I wanted to be a bad girl. And then I was told I had to be the rich Park Avenue knockout, the rich girl. And I was blonde hair and I had to be red hair. So, you know, you know how red hair is. It is, yes. it's so hard to keep. And me being a hairdresser, I just thought, no. And I used to perm my own hair. So I permed my hair and colored it and ratted it out. And then 
the director says, now I want you to go red. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I go red, my hair's just going to fall out. <laughs> so I got creative and I, I found some Jerome Russell, that the foam and spray, and then turn myself into a soft red hair. And uh, I, I thought I looked real, real cute with it. And I thought I was getting by with it. And then I saw it on camera and I said, I look like cotton candy. <laughs> So after, yeah, because you know you got blonde and you're mixing a little light. It looked like it was just whipped cotton candy by the time I was done backcombing it and putting glitter on it. So um, that's when I kind of came up with the one-sided thing, and I put the, you know, uh, the bobby pins there and the glitter there, and then kind of ratted it all out to one side. Yeah, yes, yeah, because if you do like the just like that, that's where it looked like really fried and and everything you know I wanted that glamorous look but that was not happening not with a perm underneath that red hair <laughs> no your image quite stunning uh, when I'm kind of like bringing it up in my head so with one side um, pulled up and the other one all flowy and everything that was really cool knockout look I'd say and and it was by accident you know uh, the funny thing is that I tell people there was so much hairspray on that hairdo that when, and now Aquanet is a lot different back then than it is now. So imagine having Aquanet on, uh, ratting it out and putting this really hard glitter on and, and hitting the mat. I swear, I think my hair would break in half <sighs> because it was just so hard. And I don't think they make Aquanet like that anymore, but it was just like crisp. Like you could like hear the hair breaking. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was the eighties, the bigger, the better. The bigger, the better, that's for bigger, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how many years you spent with Glow, Tim? Well, I did the third and the fourth season. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I think a lot of the girls went to tour. I went off to have a baby. <laughs> I was supposed to come back and be in a movie. And it was called Glow the Movie. And um, in fact, uh, Johnny Caparella, who was our ring announcer, was telling me the whole uh, plot of the movie. To me, it kind of reminds me of the Spice Girls, kind of campy, like, you know, when they did their movie. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go have my baby, get back into shape and then come back. And there was nothing to come back to wow. um, kind of a thing. I look back now and back then it was really sad because David McLean, um, he went on to do pow and other things. I kind of wanted to go out with glow. I had so much fun being Roxy. I couldn't see me being anyone else. I felt like, like my, my playtime, my wrestling time was over. Uh, if I couldn't do that, then I would do something else. Um, but I, I also did a lot of the hair for Glow. I did Gremlina and Stinky and uh, Godiva. I bleached out her roots a few times. And so I kind of brought that in with that too, though. So that was a lot of fun. So I double teamed. I had kind of like two jobs there. I was, you know, the good girl wrestler and also the, the hairdresser. So <laughs> yeah, well, you're taking care of, you were taking care of your glow sisters. Well, no, I was getting paid for it. 
still were putting your talent and passion, right? I, yeah, I was being a, what do you call it, entrepreneur. I was trying to find out how to make more money than what I was making. <laughs> um, so when the GLOW, what you learned from GLOW? What, your, what was your bigger take from, from GLOW? I think what I learned, number one, is I had stage fright. And I wanted to get over my stage fright. And I felt like, okay, if I can get in front of people in a costume that is probably six inches big and, uh, <laughs> and wrestle in front of them, um, I felt like I could do anything. Um, there's just something so empowering. And when I hear the Glow Netflix girls talking about, you know, like when they were all talking um, I, I hear in interviews, you know, it was so empowering to get into the ring and, and then we learned so much and then we hurt, but yet we bonded. That's exactly how we were in GLOW. We, we lived in the same apartments, you know, we fought, we, we hated each other, we loved each other, but you know what, to this day, we still talk to each other after 35, 30, 36 years. So it's empowering to know that something that you saw on TV that you didn't think you could do, you know, you did it. And I, I accomplished it. And I always, whenever I do something, I do everything to the extreme. I have to finish it. I have to push myself. And if I did my best, that that's all I'm happy with is that I did my best. Well, Roxy almost won the glow crown. Uh -huh. And um, I did not know how popular my character was. Because to be honest, I felt very insecure with what I had on. I felt insecure about my body and my hair. Um, I'm looking at Sally, the farmer's daughter, who is just naturally skinny and beautiful blonde hair. And I'm like, uh, yeah, there's no competing there, you know. But I found out later from, from people and even from, from boys and men that said, I played you when I was a kid. So I'm having this, this, I have a friend of mine who does 80s then, 80s now. Uh, he's on Instagram and he has all 80s stuff. I did an interview with him and he said that he played Roxy Astor. Like out of all the characters, he played my character. And so when we hear these stories now, we didn't just appeal to guys that were in their college dorms. We uh, appealed to little boys, little girls that were just kind of coming into finding out who they were. And I think that probably is, was worth every bump, everything that happened to me back in GLOW. And I'm saying, you know, injuries or whatever, um, that, that's worth everything to hear that later on in life. That, you know, that, that GLOW was really life-changing to a lot of people, not just a wrestling show. And that's where I think people have that uh, misconception of just women wrestling and fighting. It wasn't like that. It was empowering, I think, to men and, and to women. Me too. Yeah, I would agree with you, definitely. Mm -hmm. It brings new qualities of life for females who are part of it and some sort of role model because we still are in the society where sometimes, a lot of times, females are looked at like, stay home or something like that i mm -hmm. heard quite a few times even now about it so yeah that was a good one because females can do anything yeah we can well, break windows, but we can do anything yeah i mean to this day like everything that i do in my life um 
even as a mom, some funny stories is uh, when the teachers found out, because I have three kids, a 32-year-old son and a 30-year-old daughter and a 27-year-old daughter. So my, my middle daughter, when they found out who their mom was, that she was in GLOW, these teachers knew who I was back in GLOW. Um, so my daughter used to come home, bring her friends over, and we would play jokes on her friends. And I would grab Kayla, that's my daughter, and I taught her how to sell. And that means how to get hurt and go, oh, oh, and sell it, right? I would take her by the hair and go, Kayla, no. And I'd throw her in the door. And so she'd hit the door and slump down. But we were just playing wrestling. And she'd go back and tell people at school. So I think Kayla and I got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody probably would snitch on you that you're amusing her, right? Yeah, we're only playing. We're only playing. Um, but. The, the teachers thought it was really cool because, you know, they knew that Kayla's and Dylan's and Lindsay's mom was a wrestler back then. Mm. And I mean, to think that it was back then when they were young and we're still talking about it now and we're going to keep talking about it because, we, you know, and that's, that's a question, you know, that like what happened to glow, you know, after the fourth season, I kind of think of it in a good way that, if Glow kept going on and on and on, I feel like it would have lost its mystique. Like, what happened to Glow? Where did it go? What? And we always get that question. Now, if we would have finished the story, I don't think there would be as much interest as there is now, because I always feel like even with the Glow Netflix, they stopped at third season. They stopped and they all left in Vegas, kind of like how we did. We all left from Vegas and went home for the holidays. That's what they did. And I, I even told somebody, and this was before uh, the pandemic or anything happened, because I know they were filming. And um, I said, they left it to where if they did not get another season, they would be okay. It's kind of, they left how we did. And so I thought that was kind of unique, but I, I kind of, I wanted to see their story. I wanted to see their tribute to original glow. Yeah. Well, I wanted, I wanted to see where their stories went. And, and so that's why with the afterglow, I'm kind of picking up where I felt like we left off. Yeah. By the way, I know that you produced a play afterglow 80s musical. Mm -hmm. Can we share something about that? Well, let me tell you where it first started though. It started back in 2014. Now there was a GLOW documentary that was on Logo and on Netflix and it was a hit. And um, so you see a lot of the original GLOW girls talking about their time in GLOW and it was a very popular documentary. I recommend it if you haven't seen it. You'll see me in it for a total of five seconds. Wow, <laughs> my big debut. So, in the notes for the show. Yeah, you know, I can say I was in it. And, and my daughter's sitting on the couch next to me uh, in, in it too, just for a brief little second, but hey. Um, but that's when I decided I want to do the Afterglow mm -hmm. because I don't own the rights to Glow. I don't own the trademark. So the only thing I can think of is Afterglow. Like, what are we doing now Afterglow? The fans always have the questions on Facebook. We're connected on Facebook with our, our fans. And they're, they're always like, what are you guys doing? What do you got going on? And we're like, mm -hmm. I'm like, let me, let me get some stuff together. So I did a Kickstarter and you can even Google Afterglow um, 
the Afterglow fan party. And you could see I raised over $5,000 in one month. And I told myself, if I raise this, uh, this money, I only asked for 5,000 because I'm creative enough that I can, you know, do whatever I need to do to get it done. Then to me, it's meant to be. If not, I walk away from it. Well, I ended up raising the money. I had one really generous fan, Janair Devera, who's doing all that brilliant artwork on face, Facebook, by the way, of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, he donated a thousand and I went on a date with him and that's how it just tipped it over. And then in seven weeks, I did my first Afterglow fan party at the Acme Comedy Theater in, on, I think it was La Brea. I think it's closed down. And that is where I did my fan hot seat, where the fans got to go on the hot seat and we got to ask them the questions. <laughs> oh, interesting and original. So I, I kind of put a twist on everything. And that is where I met my really good friend, Matilda the Hun. Mm -hmm. I called up Matilda the Hun. In fact, I called all these girls and I said, um, I'm doing a Kickstarter. I don't know if I'm going to raise the money, but if I do, will you do it? It's $100 each and I'll have food there and you can uh, sell whatever you want. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, I put $100 in each envelope. I got 11 Glow Girls to show up. And some of the, uh, on Kickstarter, the, um, when you donate, you get a ticket. So they got their tickets. And we met some really interesting people, Robert Wen, who I'm a really good friend of. And in fact, Robert Wen, um, he's, he's been visiting Queenie or Matilda the Hunt for the last three years. Robert Wen set up Zoom so uh, Queenie could have outside interaction. And he's, he's a godsend. It's amazing what he has done for Queenie. And now him and I are really good friends. And he's also a producer on our play. And I met him at the first Afterglow uh, fan party. So it was from fan to friend to really, really good friend. <laughs> now it's a family. I call him family. Um, so it started there at the fan party. And after that, honestly, I think I was on such a high. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. Where do I go from there? Like, what do you do now? And it's like, you have to keep reinventing. Okay, what can I do? What can I do? I've already done this. Like, how do you move that bar higher? And I remember going to RuPaul's DreCon and one of uh, Jason Visage is a friend of mine. He walked over to the cruise planners and said, you need to meet this lady, Roxy. She does this really cool stuff. And so I did my first Afterglow um, cruise and we did it at a Los Angeles carnival and we had about, I think it was 65, 70 fans that were coming for the first time face-to-face -face with their favorite glow girls. That is so unique. Wow. Well, at the very interesting moment, we had to stop our conversation with Roxy because unbeknownst to me, some technical error in the networking occurred and I wasn't able to continue recording this conversation. Well, certain things do happen for the first time, uh, but we had con to conclude our conversation and definitely we will bring you back for the next episode, which we will announce pretty soon. And that's it. It's time to wrap up 
another episode. You can find any of your favorite episodes anywhere where you are listening to your podcasts. Google, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Could you possibly do me a favor and leave a review there to help other amazing people like yourself to find my podcast faster? If you got a question, suggestion, or just want to say hello, please find me on Instagram at underscore Tatiana Davidoff. Until next episode, stay safe, motivated, peaceful, happy. Bye-bye.